Forty years ago this summer, my father died quite unexpectedly. He'd been remarkably healthy, had just passed a stress test for a life insurance policy to benefit an academic institution, and then one Sunday afternoon in the middle of July, he dropped dead of a heart attack. It was devastating for our family. He was only 53 years old. My brother and sister and I all gathered in Durham, North Carolina for, uh, to deal with the death and to embrace my mom. The next day, we got a telegram. Remember those, the ancient ancestor of email and Twitter and Instagram? We got a telegram from a friend of my father's, an African-American pastor, a distinguished African-American pastor, and the telegram had in its heading, battered dreams and shattered hopes. I remember those words so well because I thought how compelling that those phrases were for what I was experiencing and feeling at that time. Battered dreams and shattered hopes and thought that was even more so for my mom. We journeyed through that week. And in the telegram, he said, I'm sure you're feeling that your dreams have been battered and your hopes have been shattered. And then he wrote, don't forget. And then he cited the end of Romans 8, that nothing, neither death nor life nor angels nor things present nor things to come nor principalities nor powers nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God. It was powerful to hear those words. But I confess, as a young adult, I wasn't quite sure I believed them. Because I wasn't sure that if there was a God, it was good news, given that now my dad had died as such an untimely death. We went through a service at Duke where my father was serving at the time. And then we went back to Denver, Colorado, to where we had lived for many years, where my mom had been the choir director of a church. And we had a second service. I thought it was kind of cruel and unusual punishment not to have to go through just one service, but to have a second one. And yet it was a way to have closure. It was a powerful week. I've been thinking about that, not only because it was the 40th anniversary of his death just a few weeks ago, but also because that phrase of battered hopes and shattered dreams marks so much of our life these days whether it's to ongoing events of a loved one's dying or being diagnosed with a life-threatening disease, whether it's the suffering that seems to continue to mark our world, or whether it's the multiple pandemics of the last several years, not only COVID, but mental health challenges and economic disruptions and racial injustice, and oh, then Russia invaded Ukraine. And all the uncertainty to think about battered hopes and shattered dreams it seems to mark our world. My father's favorite scripture passage is that portion in the middle chapter, middle part of Romans 8 that Jay just read. And it was one that marked his life and it gave consolation during that week. He particularly liked a paraphrase of that passage that was J.B. Phillips' translation. It goes like this. In my opinion, nothing 
whatever, excuse me, in my opinion, whatever we may have to go through now is less than nothing compared with the magnificent future God has planned for us. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons and daughters of God coming into their own. It's a wonderful image, the magnificent future that God has in store, that whatever we're going through is less than nothing. No matter the pain of loneliness or breakups or conflict or suffering, whatever it is, is less than nothing compared to that magnificent future because nothing can separate us from the love of God. I was thinking about those words as we gathered in Denver for the second service of my father, for my father. My mother had been the choir director of this large Methodist congregation in suburban Denver. And 65 members of her choir had come out to sing for my dad's funeral. It was a beautiful service, as I recall. I don't remember much of it because I was mostly just still grieving. We got to the end of the service and I thought, oh, thank goodness we're done. And then the choir stood up and I didn't know what was going on. And then the whole congregation stood up and the choir had a surprise for my mom. They started to sing the Hallelujah Chorus. My first thought was, this is crazy. I don't feel like singing hallelujah. I have other choice words in my head right now. But then something amazing started to happen to me. As my brother and sister noted, we all started to stand up a little straighter as we heard those glorious words and that majestic music and almost involuntarily we were standing straight up. And then my brother told me he noticed that pretty soon I was actually on my tiptoes. As the choir gave praise to God, it called me out of myself into that vision of the love and praise of God. Remember what J.B. Phillips says? The whole creation is on tiptoe, waiting to see the wonderful sight of the sons and daughters of God coming into their own. I had a good friend who was Jewish growing up and her family came to the service and afterwards her mom came up to me and she said, wow, that was a service I'll never forget. It was that sense that even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of brokenness, even in the midst of tragedy, we're called not to be on our heels, not to be in a reactive mode, to stand on our tiptoes instead and to bear witness to the glory and goodness and love of God that cannot be separating us from God. Well, what might that look like for us? This spring, Garth Brooks came to Belmont. He had offered to do a, an evening with students. He said, here's the deal. I won't charge you if you don't charge them. Said, deal. And then he said, the other condition is the students have to get all the best seats in the Fisher Center. I said, great. So we gathered on a Wednesday night. It turned out 
to be just a few nights after Russia had invaded Ukraine. Students were packed in, just getting the free tickets had crashed our computer system because they wanted, so many of them wanted to get a ticket. He came out, he spent two and a half hours without a break. Trisha came with him to just answer questions from students and sing their favorite songs. You could feel the energy, but also the tension of what was happening with Russia invading Ukraine. And early on he said, I'll take your questions. And he called on a young woman and she said, it feels like the world is falling apart. And it feels like it's being self-indulgent for me to want to be a songwriter. Can you help me? I thought, wow. Glad he got the question, not me. He paused and throughout the night he had this deep pastoral kind of sensibility and way of engaging the students, but he paused and then he said, I hear you. He said, it's hard. He said, but you know, there are going to be lots of times in your life when it feels like the world is falling apart. He said, there are going to be times probably in your life when it feels like your life is falling apart. And he said, in all those times, the world and you will continue to need beauty. So rather than thinking of songwriting as being a matter of self-indulgence, I want you to double down. Because you can help create that beauty. You can help inspire beauty and love in others. And that can be a powerful witness. I had a tear in my eyes as I heard him say that to her. And as I looked out on all the students, you could actually see entire community of people relax. You could almost feel the collective exhale of an awareness that even in the midst of war and rumors of war, even in the midst of brokenness, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of a semester where students are anxious about papers and exams, he was reminding them and us of the power of beauty and of goodness. Whatever your vocation, whatever your relationships, you can be someone who stands on tiptoe and helps the world see beauty and goodness and love. I have a friend who is now going through breast cancer treatment in Luxembourg. She lives normally in Africa. She's from Burundi, but now has been living in exile in Rwanda because she had done so much for so many people in her home country by creating something called Maison Shalom in the wake of the genocide and the civil war in Burundi. And she had done so much for so many orphans and children that people had been coming to her and the same president who had called her the mother of our country put assassination hit out on her. So she had to flee in the back of a car to get to Rwanda, where she promptly decided to start doing new things to give hope and inspiration to children and refugees in Rwanda. A friend of mine wrote an essay about her that I read just a few weeks ago. The title of it is Hope in the Dark. And it was about how Maggie, because of her faith, has never allowed suffering or evil or horror, which she's witnessed firsthand, to get her down. 
She says, love made me an inventor, and she means by that God's love that continues to shine forth. She effectively says, as Romans 8, 18 says, that whatever's going on is less than nothing compared to what she can point to about the love of God. As she talks about how all of the buildings she built in Burundi, she had to leave behind. She said, the real institution that I've built is one that helps hope take shape in the world. Brokenness takes shape in the world. Evil takes shape in the world. What we're called to do as people of faith is to also take shape in the world for this congregation in its life and its ministry and its witness and the ways in which it gathers people together to take shape as a sign that nothing can separate you or me or us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whether it's being a songwriter or a scientist or a stay-at-home parent or someone who volunteers in a hospital or whatever the vocation you're called to, a business person employing people and helping them discover life. We're called to be people who help create beauty who help people discover goodness, who help people find God's love. No matter whether you've had some battered hopes or shattered dreams in the last year, in the last week, or maybe even yesterday and today, we know that there is God and that God's love endures and that God's love can make us inventors. So as we go from this place this day, let's go forth on tiptoes to show all that we see and to love all whom come our way that they might also discover the goodness of God in all that we are and all that we do. Amen.